great when they get there. I'm your host, Felicity Fury, CEO and co-founder of We Aspire. Now, when we say promotion, there are a couple of ways that we think about it. There's the official promoted in your job, but there's also recognition in your industry and sector as well. Today on the show, we have Karina Nixon, project engineer at GPA Engineering and advocate for women in pipelines. It's great to have you here, Karina. Thanks so much for joining us. No worries, Felicity. Thanks for having me. Now, you've recently been promoted in your role as an engineer, but today what I'd love to talk about, you've been kind of promoted many times throughout your career in a different way. You've been recognized for the amazing advocacy work that you've done. About a year ago, actually a year to the day, exactly, you gave an amazing, impressive speech about women in pipelines and you've done some research around women in your industry. It took off. Tell us about that. Absolutely. So one of my colleagues, Margaret Guyon and I, we were probably having a chat about two years ago where we were just growing increasingly frustrated with the lack of understanding and empathy around gender inequality within our industry. And that kind of led to, you know, a lot of midnight calls, a lot of diary entries, but eventually we kind of felt we had to do something about it. And so we sat down with all of our colleagues and we took them through rather than like just stats and figures and all of these, you know, boring numbers on the topic of gender inequality, we told them our stories. So we told them stories from when we were young girls and wanted to be fairies and mermaids all the way through to our current careers and all these little microaggressions and just really sad things that would happen. And building on that work, we decided to take it to an industry scale where we surveyed over 300 people in the industry and we collected thousands of stories on gender inequality, both from men and women. And yeah, this year, uh, well, this time last year, we stood up in front of a very large crowd at the Australian Pipeline and Gas Association's annual convention. And we told the stories from all of our survey participants. We received the first standing ovation the convention had ever gotten. And from there, we kind of became, I don't know, little kind of celebrities within the uh, pipeline world because no one had ever seen anyone do what we did and the courage and the bravery that it took to do it. They were just amazed and astonished and they all just you know, either wanted to be us or hire us or <laughs> they just fell in love with us. It was very exciting. Um, so yeah, that's that's kind of the speech. Amazing. And such kick-started my journey into advocacy. Yeah. Amazing effort. The time you were a graduate engineer, I think that's a big thing to take on. It's really tricky to talk about these challenges. And I think to talk about it in a way that gets a standing ovation is so incredibly positive. Now, I'm sure it was not easy. It took a lot of courage to do that. I'd love to, this is an off script question, but I have to touch on it. How did you have the courage to do that? Uh, ooh, I think there are a lot of, you know, women whose shoes we were kind of walking in along the way. And I think the courage and the momentum kind of builds from, you know, multiple generations of other people's courage and momentum and I think what it came down to for us was I don't know who said the quote but that if not uh, if not now then when and if not us then who 
within our frustration, we were just kind of like pointing other people. We were pointing at maybe like leaders within our own organization where we were just like, why aren't you worried about this? Why aren't you doing anything about it? And that just like delved into the frustration. So from kind of pointing all that stuff out and going, well, if they're not going to do anything about it, like hell, we'll do something about it. And we just took it to the next level and, you know, told everyone about it and then let them make up their own mind what they wanted to do. Yeah. That's awesome. It's definitely a conversation that needs to be had and needs to be had more. What do you wish you knew before you got that recognition and before you've been on this journey of the last year in this advocacy work? I think it's it's really interesting question because I think there's, you know, positives that I'd wish I'd known about and maybe also negatives or things that I wish I'd known about, but I'm also glad I didn't know about them because maybe it would have stopped me doing it. But I guess, you know, on LinkedIn, you do start getting, you know, messages and like trolls do start coming after you a little bit from that negative side, which can be quite daunting. I guess the good thing about being young is that I was raised with social media. So it's almost like second common knowledge that we're used to. We, I guess the the other thing that I wish I had known was that people would either look at me differently or maybe they'd expect new things from me or more from me and you can't always give them the answers they want like now I go to industry events and people are kind of like so what's next and it's like I don't know (laughs) like what's what's next for you you tell me (laughs) Uh, I think the positive side is just the opportunities that come your way after doing something like that self-promotion is something that's really hard to do but I think the hardest part is that initial first step and once I and Margaret we both took that step the amount of other opportunities that came our way was just a bit overwhelming people wanted us to speak within their own organizations they wanted to pay us to speak (laughs) within their other organizations they wanted you know to get us on panels they wanted to kind of just invite us to be part of something more because we'd proved that we could do it the first time around so I think that was really exciting was all the other opportunities that just kind of land on your doorstep after you do something that's amazing and when you went out to do this was it did you I guess you know expect or how did you think about preparing for that did you go I'm you know did you just think about that first step of we're going to deliver this speech we're going to share those stories or were there other things that you thought about or did you have a specific approach in preparing for that speech and that moment and that you know sharing of stories Mm -hmm. we practiced a lot don't think people maybe they didn't realize how much we practiced Margaret stayed with me the two weeks prior to the speech and we just like drilled it till we had it memorized it was TED talk levels of we had it all memorized we had the pauses memorized we had when the other person was speaking so we knew exactly what each other were going to say when they were going to say it and how it was going to be delivered so a lot of preparation went into it and I think the other part that went into it was just the passion for it grew the more survey responses we received so we were surveying our industry for maybe three months Um, and so every Friday we'd check the results and just more and more stories would flood in each time 
and every single time a single person answered the survey, whether they had good experiences, negative experiences, that it reminded us that we were doing something important. And so we kind of felt a burden of responsibility to do those stories justice throughout the speech, which I think, you know, to whoever the anonymous 130 respondents were, they were probably who got us through mm. all of the pressure leading up to it. It's been an amazing response from industry and it sounds like it was a story that need, needed really to be shared. Is that how you felt about it? Or why do you think it resonated with the industry so much? you think it was sort of waiting for someone to actually get up and talk about it? Yeah. A lot of the comments that we got post the speech was just about how how well we'd done it and how they hadn't heard anyone talk about gender equality from that perspective before. They've, they'd seen all the other perspectives. They'd seen the stats mm -hmm. and the figures and they'd had discussions and debates about quotas and recognition and hiring more women and all of this stuff. But no one had stood up and actually talked about how it felt to be in those situations, in those situations of discrimination or embarrassment. And so I think that's primarily what res resonated with people, which we knew it would because that's the kind of stories invoke an empathy response, which is what we were aiming for ultimately. I think the, the Pipeline and Gas Association is a very male dominated field. You know, there are engineers, but there's also, you know, construction and there's, you know, marketing and there's heaps of stuff. So the lead up to us presenting was they had started bringing in more female focused initiatives. They'd brought in a leadership program for women in the industry. And so the topic had started only being discussed maybe four years before we did our speech. So people were only slowly becoming more comfortable with the idea that we were starting to recognize women in the industry. So when we did get up there and say all that stuff, everyone was just kind of blown away with guess the I don't know the the in your face nature of it I think is the, the right word they were they were shocked that we felt you know empowered to get up and do that when they might not even do it for like men in the industry telling the men's stories they were just no one had ever done person speech like that before it's mostly mm. focused on technical topics and all of that stuff so yeah you got me emotional just thinking about the story <laughs> because I've certainly had experiences that have been challenging and you didn't even need to say any stories, but just like the, we talked about the feelings. It was right there of flashbacks of challenges that had happened early in my career. So, well, firstly, thank you for doing that because it takes so much courage to share that and get it, you know, get in front of a crowd of so many people and share something deeply personal. And, you know, thank you on behalf of all those anonymous advocates of people who share their stories You've actually been a leader from a young age. So I wanted to touch on that briefly. You're the CEO of Youth Without Borders, the national chair of Spark Engineering Camp, and you've performed at a world-class level being a world champion white water rafter, which, as you know, Karina, is my fun fact about you and everyone I meet that introduce you to, I say, did you know Karina's a white water rafter champion? Because it's super cool. But I want to know, did these experiences help you and why? Mm. The whitewater rafting is an interesting one because I got into whitewater rafting when I was 15 years old and they selected a bunch of us for the school team who were good swimmers because they knew ultimately if you fell out of the raft, if you were a good swimmer, you likely save yourself. 
So we all we all knew how to swim, but we knew nothing else about rafting going in. And there was a men and a women's team. And in 2014, we were training together. So we were training as two teams under one coach. And then one night that coach pulled us into the school library with all of our parents and everything. And the boys team's parents got up and said that they'd secured sponsorship. They were going to send the boys to the world championships in Brazil. And they didn't want to share the sponsorship with the girls because the girls weren't good enough. Uh, (laughs) And so I know. And so we kind of 15, it's like probably one of the most daunting experiences of gender (laughs) discrimination I've ever had. Their main concern from the boys' parents was that the girls' team weren't beating the boys in any of our races against each other. And of course we're not, but we're also not competing against guys at an international level. So we kind of went, you know what, hands up in the air, screw you guys. We went off, did our own fundraising. We were out in the community. We were at the football event selling raffle tickets. We got a new coach who trained us 10 times a week. We were at the gym. We just rallied the entire Cairns community behind us. We went over to Brazil and we won the world championship and the boys came seventh in their category. So, yeah, I think that, you know, taught me at a very young age that you can kind of like do whatever you want if you set your mind to it and (laughs) the community will always be there to support you. If, if you really go over and set your mind to it. We came back from, you know, that, that world championship and we got to go to, you know, lunch with the mayor and everything. And, you know, the boys had to stand by us the entire time while everyone congratulated us for becoming the world championships, <laughs> world champions. <laughs> so I think at a very young age that taught me, you know, there's no limits to what you can do with a little bit of, adversity in your way I don't know if that links into why I became an engineer (laughs) and the boys the boys were always lovely it was the parents we were angry at (laughs) I guess yeah yeah and I think I've used that you know throughout all of those experiences Um, the spark engineering camp was you know situations where disadvantaged kids were being told that they could never study at university so you know the opportunity to bring them in and tell them that they could do anything they want to be uh, was similar and same with CEO of Youth Without Borders following on from Spark was about helping disadvantaged kids you know teaching them they can be whatever they want to be and then yeah standing up in front of the pipeline industry and telling them that you know women and men need to work together so that we can be (laughs) who we want to be was all, all positive. Yeah. All, like all a list now. of lessons. Yeah, it does. <laughs> That's awesome. And yeah, I feel like there's this, you've got such an attitude, which I really admire about you is it doesn't really matter what the task is. You're going to go, look, how could I address this? What could I do? And you've been so successful at it time and time again. I think that mindset's really served you and helped you in that journey. What is one piece of advice that you'd give people potentially wanting to go get recognition or be promoted? It sounds like that wasn't really your goal. You wanted to make a difference, but would you have advice to people who are considering doing something like you've done or aspiring to do what you've done? I don't really think you can, you know, tell people to be brave, but I think a huge part of it comes from believing in yourself. 
uh, but also maybe believing in the the power of believing in yourself. So I think you, if you just went out and didn't believe in yourself and if Margaret and I stood up on that stage and genuinely believed we were going to be fired from our workplace after <laughs> announcing all that stuff to the industry, <laughs> I don't think it would have gone over as well as it did. But no, we stood up in front of everyone thinking that, you know, well, even if we did get fired, other people would be so impressed by us they'd hire us right back. <laughs> I don't know, is the lesson always having a backup plan? Yeah. I think, yes, you do need to believe in yourself because otherwise you won't get where you need to go. But I think the second piece is uh, they always say, you know, it's not what you know, it's who you know. But I think it's so important who you know, both, you know, within your own organisation or community that you're part of, but also outside of that organisation. So having that strong community on both sides because they're the people who you send the first revision of the speech to and say hey can you give me feedback on this and then they're the people liking your LinkedIn posts and promoting you on all other forms of media and they're the people talking about you in the room when you're not there I think yeah probably those two things believe in yourself and yeah find find relationships that bring value to your life (laughs) That's such a good point. It often just seems like, oh, it's just one thing and it's just happened and, you know, the whole overnight success piece. But I think that's something that you've also done really well at is building those relationships with people and networking and totally agree. Uh, The more support you have, it's almost like, you know, you don't feel like you're going up to the stage alone. You've got those people in the audience who are cheering you on. Whereas, you know, if I'm doing a speech and there's someone I know in the audience, it's like, can you just please laugh at my jokes? Even, you know, just so I know there's someone out there cheering me on. And yeah, that's a difference. Absolutely. And who knows, maybe they're the ones giving you the standing ovation and everyone else is just following at the end. Take it. I'll take it. I'm yeah. a greener, so I think you need oh. to fully celebrate that. And it's such an impressive achievement. It's been awesome speaking to you. I'm so glad we got to unpack some of the lessons that you've learned along the way and super impressed by what you've done so far. Thanks for being such an incredible role model to many people in the industry, people in pipelines, both men and women. You're super inspiring. Thanks so much for being here today, Karina, on Promoted. No worries. Thanks for listening.